You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Frozen 2. Far away, as north as we can go, once stood an enchanted forest. You've seen an enchanted forest? Yes, it was a magical place, but something went wrong. Since then, no one can get in or out. What would I do without you? You'll always have me. Has Elsa seemed weird to you? She seems like Elsa. There's this voice. Voice? What does that mean? Excuse me, I climbed the North Mountain, survived a frozen heart, and saved you from my ex-boyfriend, so, you know, I'm coming. That's normal. Where are we? How did you get in the forest? The mist parted for us. Impossible. Where did you learn magic? Then don't run into fire. Magic is very alluring. Without you, she may lose herself to it. Protect Arendelle at all costs. I believe in you, Elsa, more than anyone or anything. Question. Is the whole putting us in mortal danger going to be a regular thing? All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Frozen 2, and the story is as follows. Elsa the Snow Queen and her sister, Anna, embark on an adventure far away from the kingdom of Arendelle. They are joined by friends Kristoff, Olaf, and Sven. The film is starring Idina Menzel, Kristen Bell, Jonathan Groff, and Josh Gad. It is directed by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee. It is written by Jennifer Lee and uh, co-written by Allison Schroeder. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Lauren LaMagna. Hey, everyone. Dan Baer. Into the unknown. Into the unknown. I, I don't even dare ask I'm not me. Not even trying. I don't even know how little kids are going to sing these songs, uh, like to their parents. It, I, I just don't know how it's possible. Six-year-olds that are going to get notes. Also, is Cody uh, Derricks here? Also, as well. is Cody Derricks is how I'm always introduced in like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Frozen. To, um, the sequel to the mega worldwide global phenomenon that was Frozen 2013, grossing over a billion dollars worldwide. It was a huge movie for Disney. It harkened back in many ways to the movies that I know many of us here grew up watching from the uh, Mouse House. And it was something that I think was fresh. It was new. It was exciting. It had no expectations going in. And as a result, it was a very pleasant surprise for many of us. And it has endured uh, all these uh, six years since then, leading up to the sequel, which this time around 
does have the burden of expectation. Now, the question is, does it meet, exceed, or does it fall short of those expectations where the first one didn't have to necessarily contend with that? I'm going to pass it over first to Dan Baer. Dan, um, what has been your relationship with uh, the film Frozen, the first film, and uh, what were those expectations like heading into Frozen 2? And then ultimately, what did you think? Oh my, that's a lot. Well, um, I quite enjoyed the first Frozen uh, when I saw it back in, uh, when was it? Jesus, 2013. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the songs were all so catchy and clever, and um, I loved what they did with the story of the Snow Queen, really, like, sort of twisting it and um, doing interesting things with it. And I loved um, the vocal performances and especially Olaf the Snowman. I have a t-shirt with Olaf on it that says I like warm hugs. So you, as you can imagine, I quite enjoy Olaf. Um, and I have seen it a couple times since then and I enjoy it every time. And I understand the flaws that some other people see in it, but I don't necessarily subscribe to those being flaws. Um, but I can understand it's not a perfect movie, but I do enjoy it. It's also been overplayed, I think, maybe just a tad bit much, maybe? Um, I think by certain people, perhaps. Um, I I will say that um, back when I uh, taught dance classes, I taught tap for a few years, um, right around the time that Frozen was released, and... Every class, the girls would walk in, the little girls, like the six to ten-year-old girls would walk in and just, we want to dance to Let It Go, Let It Go, Let It Go. And I kept saying, that's not really a tap dance song. (laughs) (laughs) But eventually they wore me down and I put it on and I just let them have fun and they ended up agreeing with me, yeah, that's not really a tap dance song, so... There you go. <laughs> it's funny that you say that, like from the ki- kids' perspective, though, because like uh, growing up, I used to rewatch uh, Disney movies all the time, mm-hmm. and I wonder—I'll even ask my parents over the Thanksgiving holiday what that was like for them, having to endure me watching and rewatching and rewatching and rewatching over and over again, like the same Disney movies. But to me, it was just like that was my entertainment back then, you know. So yeah. for kids nowadays, if they've seen Frozen five hundred times, they've seen Frozen. 500 times. (laughs) Yeah, I I have absolutely no doubt that that's the case. I know for me, it was Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast that I watched a million times growing up. And I'm sure this is that for this generation. Um, So anyway, I went to Frozen 2, like with the same amount of nerves that I would go into any sequel to such a highly beloved film it's always you know like will this match the original will they um stay true to not just the characters and settings that you know the creative team assembled and put together for the first one but will it live up to what i liked and what i got out of the first one and uh, for me the case with Frozen 2 is that it absolutely did. I think it holds up to the first one. I'm not entirely sure that it's better than the first one, but it is at the very least as good 
um, the animation at any rate is light years beyond the first one. It's almost unspeakably gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, the songs are not as good, but what could be, but overall I was quite stunned that they did as good a job with this film as they did. All right. All righty. So expectations met moving over now to Lauren met succeeded or underwhelmed where did you land i'm like having a mixed bag still like i i might like call myself out for being like super duper young but i was i think in high school when frozen came out originally and i was in a i was in a theater program in high school so seeing majority of you know musical theater based actors crossing over and being used in a disney movie was really cool for me and i'm glad that most of them were used to their full potential in the first one minus Jonathan Groff, but that was made up in this one. Don't worry. And I loved, again, just like what everyone's saying, I loved frozen. So going into the second one. Yeah, I was definitely nervous. I wanted it to be on the same level. And I know obviously that's an uphill battle for them to climb coming out of it. I like, I wrote in the group chat that I don't think this film was needed. I think frozen could have stayed on its own and been perfectly fine. And maybe I was thinking, are they just doing this for the dollar? But when I step back and letting myself think about it, I think it's a very, it's a much more complicated film. It's a much more older film with themes. Like it's really growing with its audience. And it's something that older kids and older people can get a lot out of, which is really cool to see a much more complicated, intense, raw, emotional story, particularly with um, Elsa, because I do think the story lies within her. Um, I agree that I think the songs are not as good. There's two that I really like. Some I really don't like in this movie, which wasn't the same with the original Frozen. I loved all of the original songs, and I could sing all of them and be perfectly happy. But I will say the animation in this film is amazing. And it again, it's light years away. I'm just echoing off. There are certain At a certain point in the film, I am literally in awe of what those guys at Disney Animation does, because that, to me... That and um, I just think that and Adina Menzel's um, voice stands out for me. Those are the two things. But it's a mixed bag. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put it on the same level as the original Frozen, but it's still a good film. It's still enjoyable, but it's still, it's not up there. Okay. All right. And then Cody? Yes. Same question. Um, So I really enjoy the first one. I think it is both in different ways it benefits from being a simple yet complex story i think it is very simple on the surface but what allowed it to be such a hit is that the characters kind of call for further excavation of their personalities and character traits than are uh, apparent on the screen and i think it's really easy for kids especially to see something to latch on to especially in the character of elsa i mean it was really the first major um, depiction of not just like introversion as an okay thing in a child's film, but also any sort of otherness, whether it's, um, uh, um, I don't know, any 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 sort of label you want to um, apply to yourself that is outside of the norm or that, you know, you are part of. I think you can find something in Elsa and that's extra valuable in children who don't see that all the time on screen. And I think that's kind of why it was such a crossover hit with, you know, everybody in the entire world. Um, so I was going into this expecting it to be not as good. Um, and it uh, was not as good as the first one, <laughs> but I still 
really enjoyed it. Like everybody else has said, it's way more complex and the story is way deeper than the first one, both in terms of like plot mechanics and also what they're saying with it. Um, and at first that kind of struck me as a little much. Like I, I found my, my biggest critique after watching the movie was that I felt like the plot was dragging the characters and thus us along with it rather than having it organically come from decisions the characters make. Like a lot of it was kind of just happening and the characters would say, oh, this means that. So that kind of threw me a little bit. I felt a little unmoored after watching it. But after further reflecting on it and especially after further listening to the soundtrack, like you know, a few dozen times yesterday, to be, to be honest, uh, I've really come around to the emotional story they're telling through the songs because much like the first one, I think the songs are really the heart of the movie and where the movie is working at its best. And especially again with the character of Elsa, I think she really defines and gives purpose to why this movie exists because I also was uh, skeptical. And I think the emotional journey that she goes through is like, practically a direct sequel to the emotional journey she specifically goes through in the first one. And just when I thought there was not more to explore with her character, they found new things that can be easily relatable to the audience and are uh, interesting to watch. So I, I really enjoyed that, that aspect of it. Yeah, Cody, I think I'm lining up a little bit more with you in this regard because I, I said to Dan when we saw it together, um, I wasn't a big fan of the plot itself. But I really, really like the growth of the characters. I like spending time with these characters. And I like that each character um, went on their own very personal journey in this one. And they were exemplified by the songs, um, but also um, highlighted by the relationships and the bonds that they all share with one another. Um, especially the sister bond that continues between Anna and Elsa that I really really appreciate so much because it's very very rare that we see like that kind of depiction of such a strong familial bond between sisters on screen um, especially in an animated film and um, I think that helps to give this a very unique flavor in many ways so I was very appreciative of that I love the even though it's goofy I really really do enjoy Kristoff's uh, journey of uh, wanting to propose to Anna and uh, you know it, it, I, I like all of that I I was ne I've never been the biggest Olaf fan, just simply because you know, <sighs> comic side relief like goofiness is not normally my thing. Uh, but I understand his function within the story, and I I do think that there is um, some very strong emotional uh, resonance, uh, especially when we get to the third act with that character. Um, it it, it harkens back to what he says in the first film uh, where he has that scene where he says some people are just like worth melting for. And, you know, that character for all his goofiness just has these very, very warm and uh, emotional beats that I'm always constantly surprised they're finding ways to weave that in. So in short, the characters, I was very, very excited to spend more time with them. I was excited to see them get pushed in interesting and new directions. And you're right, Elsa is such a fascinating character, not just in um, what she is given and how unique she is within this world due to her magical powers, but also because of how she is depicted on screen, like you said, Cody, um, this like kind of introverted um, character who is uh, very 
at war with herself in terms of uh, self-doubt, but also um, very headstrong and needing to be this leader for uh, her people and for Arendelle and her sister constantly trying to pull her back from jumping over the ledge, if you will. And I, I, I thought like that was very compelling in this movie. And then, of course... Um, there's also a symbolic representation of what Elsa as a character means to so many LGBTQ people out there in the world um, that uh, there's undertones of that in the first film with the song Let It Go. And God, I was so, 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 so happy that they did not give Elsa like a, a male love interest in this sequel because I was almost afraid they were going to veer there at some point. And they continue um, th- those themes and uh, her um, uh, what she's what she symbolizes for uh, people within that community, um, and then once again also exemplified by yet another song um, uh, that could be used as a metaphor for coming out, if you will. Uh, first film, let it go. This time around, show yourself. And uh, I mean, listen. I'm not a part of that community necessarily. I, we have some people here on this podcast that are. Um, I, I would I would like to hear y- your guys' thoughts in terms of like what that means to you actually, and how you felt it worked in this sequel. The thing about so, show yourself that I really found specifically, um, <clears throat> literally magical, was that they took themes in Let It Go, which is by itself a complete journey. You know, it's not. It, it ends in a satisfying place for the character and for the story that they're telling and show yourself is like I said, that specifically is like a direct sequel to let it go. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. show your, uh, let it go is kind of about self-realization and show yourself is about self-empowerment. So while let it go is about not hiding what makes you different or special and just, you know, uh, being okay with that, show yourself is about loving those things about yourself is about mm. not just seeing them as something that sets you apart, <clears throat> something that makes you uh, the specifically good person that you are. I, that's really interesting, Cody, because I had a similar, but also completely different interpretation <laughs> of that number. But like, this is, this is my favorite thing about this sequel actually was Elsa's storyline and how it was so obviously an LGBTQ allegory um is in the first movie you know her entire arc which is crystallized by let it go is about you know accepting the things that are strange and ostracized and called out by other people conceal Um, don't feel yep conceal (laughs) it's about you know like being okay with within yourself and for me show yourself was about Finding your place in the larger world, finding your people, finding, you know, your community and finding the joy in that after finding the joy in yourself. And it took me like most uh, until like probably a quarter or a third of the way through that song to realize that that was what they were doing with Elsa's arc. And I think it was about when she when her mother started singing with her on that song that I completely had a a breakdown in my seat in the theater surrounded by children and like crawled all the way back in my seat, my mouth open, my hands over my mouth, 
tears streaming to my face. And then meanwhile, he looks over at me, and I'm just like, they just copied Let It Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh and uh, but, wait, wait, but before, I, but before I say anything more on that, um, I do want to say for the record that, yes, while structurally, as the song is written as a song, it was like, oh, they're trying to rip off the success of Let It Go and just repeat it to print the dollars. I I have to say, for the record, that I've re-listened to the song a bunch of times since then, and I think it is my favorite song in the movie now. I, I can't help but love this song. I really it's can't. It's definitely my favorite, too. It's the best. And when you yeah. look at Elsa's journey from the beginning of Frozen 1 to the end of Frozen 2, that's what's so awesome about it, because... yeah. In the beginning, she's so concealed. Again, she's concealing what makes her different, and she's constantly living in fear about it. And then we get to let it go, as we all said, where she's saying, okay, screw society. I'm just going to be me and do that. But then when we do get to show yourself, it does change from you know being who you are and then being proud and accepting and being your true authentic self. Because even at the top of this film, Elsa's like she's not sad about where she is. She's very contempt, but she does know deep down that she's in an environment where she can't truly be her full, full self, which is why she goes on the journey where she does, where she gets that noise coming from her. Because even though she's she's contempt, she's with people that she loves, but it's safe for her. She knows that there is another place where she can grow as a human being and just she's in an environment where she can't grow, where this is the best the strongest she can get and that's just not the best for her which i think once we do get to show yourself and you could like see even though in the costumes were like her hair in the first movie starts off being like in a tight bun and then when we get to let it go she lets it go but it's still like in like a loose braid and then when we get to into the unknown we're in a loose ponytail and then when we finally get to show yourself her hair is fully down and she is finally saying okay i'm me i'm proud of who i am i love who i am and i'm going to do exactly what i feel in me what I want to do and where I feel most comfortable, which as you know, not like I'm not part of the LGBT community, but as a young woman, I also, you know, identify with that as well, you know, with growing, just like growing up as well. So that's what's touching with me. And then even like in the lyrics of, you know, like you're waiting for you, it's not, you're waiting for someone to show themselves. You're waiting for you to get ready to grow up, to be exactly what you need to be. Exactly. Because the title show yourself has a double meaning. It's not mm-hmm. just, She's not just singing to the spirits that she's trying to wake up, show yourself. She's also self-actualizing, you know, a mantra of I need to show myself to the world. And I wanted to say for the record that if anyone is listening right now from Disney, highly doubtful, but for the record, if they were, um, switch the campaign over from Into the Unknown to show yourself. Please, please. I'm surprised they haven't because Into 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 the the Unknown is a very exciting song to listen to and it is definitely the closer composition-wise to let it go. But it is so plot-specific and Show Yourself is less so and it's a better song and it is more applicable to real life just like Let It Go was. It's more empathetic. At the very least, campaign lost in the woods well i mean let's be honest that is not going to happen um (laughs) but from a purely comedic like standpoint tongue-in-cheek wise that was by far um my favorite conceived song in the movie because of like the 80s rock power ballad uh homages that they do visually were hysterical to me and that was the song that got the biggest reaction yeah Absolutely. When we saw it. Uh, You know, Olaf's song, for example, in this film is definitely one that is 
goofy and, you know, happy-go-lucky and so on and so forth. But, like, Jonathan Groff's song just has, like, such a wink to the audience, uh, the adult audience, if you will, with it, that I just couldn't resist. Yeah, I think that song's definitely for the parents. And I was, like, listening. I was like, oh, my God, the Ranger are so going to be, like, the backups. And literally, as I said it, they were going. (laughs) 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 And I'm just like, this is exactly what it needs to be. And, again, like, it's good that, like, you know, Disney animation is smart enough to understand, you know, the multi-layered audience. And that's definitely, you know, a nod to the, to the adults being like, we're here for you. Like, it's not, it's going to be fine. And, but with Olaf's song, it was so funny because that's just how I react to stressful situations. I like acknowledge it, but then I pretend it's not there. And I'm just like, wow, I feel seen right there. That's great. But, um, no, but like, they're obviously good. Movie though, like bald faced rewrite. Yeah. This is his same song from the first movie, which I was like, come on, guys, you're better than this. Right. Yeah, there was a little bit of that going on here for sure. Um, I was definitely a fan of Evan Rachel Wood's uh, opening. Uh, All is found um, as, as she sings that to uh, the two cute younger versions of uh, the two leading ladies that I I, I, I felt, I, you know, when this movie begins, I, I really, really felt the warmth of this film. Um, like I felt like I was like cozing up in the bed, uh, you know, like, like, like the characters were and just being like, yes, tell me a story. Tell me a nice story. (laughs) You know, that's how I feel about the first one. I find it so immensely watchable. And like Mm -hmm. Dan said, even though, you know, there are flaws and I acknowledge them and like, you know, it really does feel like part the movie was not expected to be the global sensation it was. And you can see that in like the plot mechanics and how poorly they spaced out the songs in the movie. Mm -hmm. But I find it so just comforting is you know obvious but it's just a very easy watch and enjoyable that i can't help but love it and this is definitely frozen 2 definitely pushes more into um a complex story that i imagine they maybe would have told tried to tell if they knew the first one was going to be the you know sensation that it was but i i i'm coming around to appreciating this one for what it is rather than trying to compare it to the original the my first reaction was like this is too much. This is not, you know, the simple story that I liked from the first one. And I, I like complex stories in general, but it just kind of overwhelmed me a little bit. But uh, the more I sit on it, the more I'm enjoying it. Well, uh, you know, Cody, I, I get where you're coming from with this because uh, my biggest uh, problem with this movie overall uh, doesn't actually have to do with the characters. Yeah, the songs are good and I like them. I'm They're not as good as the original because, once again, that's just like how can you beat the surprise – aspect of the original uh to this time it's to be expected maybe just a little bit more um outside of uh jonathan groff's song which you know obviously was a big surprise and definitely uh, <laughs> a hoot but from a story standpoint um regardless of the character journeys the actual story story about this enchanted forest about arendelle about the sins of the past and so on and so forth i don't want to get into uh spoilers necessarily but, you know, it's like the trolls come back and they're giving all this exposition. And I, I, I said to Dan when it was over, I was like, is this is it just me or is this very convoluted for a children's story? And I said, absolutely not. Anyone? Anyone? Am I alone on this island? So I saw it and I had a similar reaction in terms of like, how are kids going to react to this? This seems almost too much because, you know, I see a lot of movies and not, you know to my own horn, but I can usually figure out what's going on just because I know how movies work. And this story was so, there was so much going on and it was so complex that I was like, 
I don't know how kids are going to react to this or be able to follow this really. And and let's also remember too, there is no direct antagonist necessarily. Yes, which I usually like actually. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. that because that's you know how life is. There's not always an obvious antagonist in life. I think that helped with the characters' uh, own personal journeys this time around. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was right. Um, so I I expressed as much after the movie, and my boyfriend's take on it was that. Um, side note, he did not like the first one and loved this one. So I think if you found the first one a little bit too simple or just, you know, kind of underwhelming, I think you might actually appreciate this one better for what it is and what it's different uh, about this one. Anyway, his take on it was kids just kind of go along with whatever. So, you know, the characters are doing or saying things like, oh, this means that or like this magical element is trying to tell us this. And we as adults go, why? But kids probably would say, okay. So I think that is kind of where uh, kids are going to be able to find their uh, their feet with this movie. Yeah, I just had a lot of questions as it pertained to um, the different uh, elements, you know, the air, fire, water, and earth. And uh, uh, just there was a lot in terms of the mythology of this enchanted forest, it, uh, the people that were involved with it and so on and so forth. That You're, you're right, Cody. I, I, as an adult audience member, did find myself asking why a lot. Um, and I was having a hard time not following it. I did follow it. It was just more of, I, 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 I asked myself, does this need to be so steeped within mythology to like, to the point that it's making me find it's, it's making this a little, a little hard to follow. I still followed it. It run the risk of losing me. No, yeah. That could be the weakest part for me because I do think the plot is weak because it goes in so many different directions, in my opinion, which, you know, which I think definitely can lose kids. But yeah, as you said, kids kind of agree. So I get that. But I do think they're focusing on like so many things at the same time when they just don't put as much effort in because just lack of runtime when we have like three to four different plots going on at the same time where instead we should just focus on the character's journey. So I, so that's where, you know, the questions for me come in. Okay. Like, why is this happening? What does this mean? But we're already moving on to the next thing. And then like, right we'll meet this new character, they'll say one thing, but I want to know more about them because you introduced this new character and I want to know the history, but we're already done with that, guys, and then that point is over. So then what was the point of that happening? Just little things, like why are some elements like literal elemental spirits and some are actual, actualized animals? Just like things like that that I was like, yeah. why is this that, again, I think kids are more likely to just go, all right, Cool. Yeah, and then like by the time we got to the end of the movie, I was thinking to myself like, there's so many uh, themes of this film, and there's so many messages um, about home, about land, about its people, about sins of the past, about familial bond, about <laughs> about water having memory. <laughs> I was that was so so amazing. Oh, I but I just that. remember thinking to myself, I, I I thought this movie was almost trying to make a comment on so much. Um, in the end, it does touch upon everything a little bit, but I never felt like it ever crystallized into uh, one thing necessarily. And I don't know if that's still a fault or if it's a good thing. Yeah, I like that it touched on so much. Um, I I also was like, I kind of went along with this movie as I do with most movies intended for a young audience with the mindset of like, just accept whatever is presented on screen and just go along with it. And giant I rock th- giants. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I, exactly. And I think that this, the structure of this movie, it kind of um, really 
requires that because it is a kind of movie where we are learning things at the same time as the characters do. We there's no dramatic irony. We don't we don't know something that they don't and are waiting for them to figure it out. We discover all these things along with them. So the whole point is to accept what they interpret or what they um, believe these things to be as the truth, at least for the moment until it's proven otherwise. Um, and I, for me, I, that worked really, really well. Um, and I like that it, it is touching on so many themes because for me that helps rewatchability. Yeah. I'll be very curious to see how it does play on a rewatch um, for sure. I definitely in- intend to rewatch it. I have a feeling that uh, due to some younger members of my family, it'll be inescapable uh, for me to avoid <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, having to rewatch the film. But one thing I do want to shower praise on uh, with this film, um, unconditionally so, is this is a huge, huge leap forward from the first film in terms of the animation. Oh, God. Hell yeah, it is. The lighting, the detail... The elements in terms of, you know, like I was saying before, there's air, fire, water, earth. Like these are actual components that make up uh, a large part of the movie. Those are all so realistic and so well done. The water effects, I mean, like that scene with Elsa at the sea is unbelievably real to me in terms of the way the water um, just... I don't know what, how far we're going to be able to go at a certain point with animation because the photorealism of it is at a point where it's just indiscernible. I mean, we're at that point. Disney did The Lion King this year entirely CGI and touted it as live action and no one blinked an eye. Well, well I blinked I mean, several <laughs> eyes. <but. laughs> I, I blinked several eyes, but not at that. Sure. You know? Yeah, because I I rewatched the first one the day before seeing this one, and I remember when it came out being like, "Wow, this is beautiful." Um, but on a rewatch, and I think this is a problem with CG animation in general, is that it ages poorly. Unlike hand drawn, which is why I'm uh, I have an affection for hand drawn, obviously. But this one, yeah, this one really did stun me. The water scene in particular, I agree, Matt. There's a reason that was in the first teaser trailer, and that was kind of the entire trailer. I mean, you really feel the weight of it and the danger of it, but also the beauty of it. There's also a scene where Anna um, emerges like from a cave, and the sun is out. And she, I remember, she just puts her hand like over her face, and just a shadow of her hand like cast on her face with the light and everything. I just looking at it, I'm like... Man, these lighting effects are insane, <laughs> you know. But also I mean, on the opposite end of the spectrum with the like the fantasy part of the of the animation, what they do with Elsa in particular with her magic, like the show yourself sequence is beautiful and everything that yeah. she does, they have so much fun with this character from like her hair to her costume to the actual magic and the contrast between, you know, the light and the dark with her is so breathtakingly gorgeous show yourself like just in general with the song and the sequence and the animation and the voice acting show yourself is my favorite part of the film i want to say and then it's the water scene right after that because what they do with her they just have so much fun and it's so friggin gorgeous and i don't know how they do it i don't know how you can step up from that but i remember watching it and being like oh i did not have words after i saw it just because Elsa's taken some, like, architecture class or something because when she's, like, making those snowflakes, it's unbelievably (laughs) gorgeous and perfect. 
and again, it just like goes into the transformation of her from, you know, in the first film to the second film. So what they do as animators with the fantasy element of the animation is just as amazing as, you know, the realism of it as well. And then uh, also moving over in terms of praise, I want to uh, single out the uh, the cast, the voice cast uh, of everyone involved here. I know I said before that um, I was so excited to spend more time with these characters. And, you know, part of that is because of the performances, the vocal performances that these actors do bring to these characters that make them so memorable and so distinctive to us. Um, I know that from a singing perspective, Idina Menzel is queen. I, I, I get that for a lot of people. But for me, in terms of just vocal performance, um, Kristen Bell as Anna has always been my MVP of the first film and of this film as well. And I, I just absolutely love the qualities that she brings to that character that makes her feel so real, so relatable, and so likable at the same time. 100% agreed. And honestly, I, I really wish that uh, her big song, uh, the next right, the next thing, right thing, was a better song because she sings it so well, and you can really feel her just bone deep depression and fear at the beginning of that song, and yeah. then as as it grows <laughs> into more self assuredness and. It's, it's, she's just fantastic, and I love her in general, and I love her vocal performance as Anna, both in the first one and in this. She's just fantastic. That moment in particular is like classic musical theater writing. Yeah. Oh, she has yeah. to make a decision, and she makes the decision through song and in the song. And she, Kristen Bell clearly shows her musical theater training roots because she acts the hell out of that song. It's not even oh, necessarily yeah. about, you know, vocal pyrotechnics and sounding great, which she does, but she really acts the song perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, like, sold the film for me in the, for the first Frozen, and she, Kristen Bell does it again in Frozen 2, and she sings her voice cracks a little bit because, you know, she first does it in um, the first film with Do You Want to Build a Snowman when she's, like, trying, when it's adult Anna asking her to open the door. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of a crack, and she does it again here in this song, which is so human and intimate and great. And that's where I think Kristen Bell shines. And I do think her and Adina Menzel, I mean, it's hard to compete with her, but they do mix together so perfectly. And you, I do think that you can't have, they're both strong together and they both work so well together and they both can't, they're doing this together. And I'd say like yin and yang is a perfect balance between the two of them. And which again, doesn't happen a lot and it is apples and oranges, but those two bring something out in each other. Plus, you know, the Lopez is writing in those songs as well. One other thing I also want to point out too, and I I hope that this may be a spoiler. If it is, I apologize, but I I don't know any other way to say it. Um, Sterling K. Brown uh, is a new character in this movie who gives such a warm uh, vocal performance as uh, Lieutenant uh, Destin in this. And I remember watching him on screen, I said this to Dan, feeling very extremely worried (laughs) that his character was going to turn out to be something else. And as we said before about this film not having an antagonist, I'm just very, very glad that they did not go that route. Um, Because it it definitely seemed like, you know, we've seen this kind of trope before in terms of character from the past presented as a good guy. Hey, I want to help. Oh, third act twist, you know, and then motivations are revealed and things of that nature. Um, 
And that's just something I've really liked about Frozen and I like about Frozen 2 again, is that there are standard Disney tropes that we've seen in other films of theirs over the years that both films squash and subvert our expectations, um, but I think in a very good way that doesn't undermine the character's own personal journeys. And uh, I think it makes for a very unique and enriching experience overall. Yeah, and that's also, I think, what's frozen to a squash with the Disney tropes. Because what I see, the antagonist is much more intellectual, much more complicated. Because it's not a person. I see the antagonist being, you know, fear and hate. You know, your fear of individuality and trying to be someone. Like, who are you when you're not surrounded by your people? Which I think is on his journey. And then the fear of, you know, into the unknown and trying to find what's going on. And the fear of being different. And it's not really a person, but it's much more a feeling, which makes this film again, a much more complicated thing and a, and a step up from the original. So when we have an actual person like going, that's causing like havoc to an actual like feeling and how am I, I know who I am in relationship to this person, but who am I on my own? Like who am I when I'm just me? And that's mm-hmm. what I see as the main antagonist is them trying to figure out, like I know my relationship to you, but when everything is gone, who am I as an individual? And that's what these characters are trying to figure out, especially Anna and Elsa. Yeah, I think you're right on the money. It's also about the danger of being beholden to the past and to the mm-hmm. w- one perspective of the past, which mm-hmm. is, mm. uh, frankly, a lesson that every single person living in America can probably <laughs> take. Uh, <laughs> but also, it, you can you know, take it as a literal metaphor for this country or any sort of um, you know, domineering colonization, if you want to go that far. Or you can just take it and view it as you know, being uh, skeptical of people who tell you what actually happened and not looking into it yourself. Well said. Absolutely. Uh, so now what I want to do is I want to kick it over to uh, final thoughts, great out of 10, Oscar potential, uh, pass it over to Dan first. Anything that we did not touch upon with Frozen 2 do you want to touch upon? Um, no. All right. What's the great out of 10? <laughs> <laughs> no, I really think we've covered everything. Um, this is an, an 8 out of 10 for me. Um, the things that don't work about it are mainly the songs, which aren't as strong as the first one. But everything else, I think, is so well done and is sort of admirably deep for a children's film. Cool. All right. Lauren? I want to give it a solid seven. I think it's an incredibly complicated film. I like it a lot more when I combine it with an overall arc from the first film to the second i'm not a huge fan of them harping on the past because there is like past footage from the original frozen that is used in this film i'm not a huge fan of that i don't like when a sequel relies that much on the original so that's like a big negative for me but it is incredibly complicated and the more i think about it the more i like it and the more i'm starting to love it but, and again, the animation and the voice talent really does steal it for me. All right. All right. Uh, Cody? I echo everything that was just said. Um, I completely agree. I'm also giving it a 7 out of 10, partly because I gave the first one an 8 out of 10. And I still enjoy that one more, so I can't really give this a higher grade, um, personally. Uh, I also I, I, I found the plot a little complex on first viewing and not necessarily as a good thing, but the more I sit with it and think about it and listen to the soundtrack and talk about it, the more I'm coming around to that as um, 
not like a burden of the storytelling, but rather something that is uh, good about it. <laughs> so I, I, I'm definitely going to see it again. And I think I'm going to like it more the second time knowing where they're going rather than being kind of feeling like I'm being yanked along with the plot and not really sure what is going on. So, yeah, a solid 7 out of 10. And I'm going to echo that as well. Um, first film, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, this one, I'm with a 7 out of 10. A strong one, though. Um, like I said before, I do think that there are some themes that are really well explored. I think the characters all go on very unique, interesting journeys that um, propel them forward from the first film. And I also think the animation is a step up. Um, my problems, once again, just come back sometimes to uh, the convoluted nature of the story and some of the mythology that's uh, steeped within it. I was often wondering if this would be too hard for children to follow. And then there were just some, you know, listen, I get it. At the end of the day, you have to appeal to both kids and adults. And I think there are some jokes in this movie that definitely do both. Um, there's a great scene with charades where they deliberately make fun of Elsa um, and her uh, <laughs> that I, I thought was hysterically tongue in cheek um, for everybody. And then there were some, uh, you know, jokes in here that just I was like, that's kind of lame. But you know what? Those are for the kids. I know they're not for me. Um, and that's totally okay. I don't you, I don't look at that as a fault so much. Uh, just more of like, listen, in an attempt to please everybody, um, I don't think you're going to fully please everybody. You'll just kind of meet them halfway or a little bit more so. And that's where I'm kind of at with this, where um, I don't think it's as fresh as the original. I think it was burdened with expectation heading into it. Um, for me, those expectations weren't exceeded. They were met. So um, 7 out of 10 feels right to me. I am going to rewatch it. Um, I'm excited to rewatch it. I've been listening to the soundtrack uh, since I saw it, and I have actually been enjoying the songs more than I thought I would. Um, even like the opening uh, number, uh, the Some Things Never Change, uh, which is kind of like the... Uh, Oh my God, everything is all happy and isn't our kingdom so great and everything uh, kind of song. Another bald-faced rewrite of the song in the same position from the first movie. Oh, I don't think it's that obvious. I think it's a nice kind of catching up with the characters. And they I think it's just... even used the same melody at one point. And at that point, I was like, oh, that's a Yeah, I, Dan's movie. not wrong. Yeah. Didn't bug me. <laughs> yeah, I know, I, I, I get it, I get it. We're checking in and we're like, we're, we're going, yeah, okay, so we're tell me, yeah. yep. Tell me more about yeah. Frozen. The no, world Frozen. agreed. But then there were when there were two other rewrites of songs from the first movie. I was like, okay, this is just getting out of hand now. Two Oscars yeah. and a billion dollars later. I can't really blame them. <laughs> no, exactly. And so speaking of which, uh, in terms of the Oscars here, um, I think we're all in agreement that um, the same two nominations are on the table um, that they converted into wins for the first film. That was best animated feature, best original song. I want to emphasize one more time that I really, really think they should switch their campaign from Into the Unknown to Show Yourself. Are they only submitting Into the Unknown? Do we know that? Probably. That's right. the one they're pushing. We don't know that it'll be the yeah, only that's, one. Yeah, they're so. definitely pushing that as the single, which it makes sense. It's the most like single-y song there. Right. And I know Let It Go is the only one they pushed from the original, so I get why they're only pushing one, but mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe they want to push the Adina, yeah. They want to push the Adina Menzel song because it's like Adina Menzel, and I get that she's a great singer, but I do think "Show Yourself" just says so much more, and just of you know the accepting and being proud, and yeah, it involves more people and there's more going on. But it's just, I just think that is the song of the film, and I think that's the song people are going to connect to more than 
into the unknown, even though it might be more catchy and might be more likely to, I guess, go on the radio and all that stuff. It reminds me of last year when Mary Poppins returns in the first round of awards, they were pushing um, Triple Away Fantastic because it was the more exciting song. It was the song that yeah. harkened back more specifically to a specific song from the original. And the Oscars went the other way and went place where lost things go because that's more typical best song nomination. They usually <laughs> prefer the ballads, the thematic heaviness, the story um, importance. And I think I'm hoping maybe something like that will happen here, but I'm, I'm a little doubtful. Yeah. The biggest question I have on my mind of all is now that you've seen this and obviously we've all seen uh, Toy Story 4 and some other animated uh, feature contenders outside of stuff like, say, um, like I still haven't seen Weathering with You. Um, I just recently saw I Lost My Body and um, there are like one or two more that I do want to like catch up on. But kind of like looking at the field as it is right now. Do we think that Frozen 2 is going to win Best Animated Feature? So my initial reaction when the first reactions to Frozen 2 were coming out is that I thought it would win this category. My theory was that Frozen, the first one, won, like you said, Best Animated Feature and Best Original Song. And there's a very, very, very good chance that this is going to repeat at least those nominations. Whereas Toy Story 4, it's following up a movie that was nominated for Best Picture. And we know Toy Story 4 is not going to be nominated for Best Picture. So I thought it would maybe pale in comparison and they would maybe look to Frozen 2 since it seems on paper to be more of an Academy success in line with this first one. But after seeing Frozen 2, I really think they might at the very least default to Toy Story 4, which we've seen them do before with Pixar with something like Brave. It does also have a higher critical consensus than Frozen 2 right now. Yes, and I I think it's a better movie personally, um, even though I'm maybe a little bit more passionate about Frozen Mm. 2. But I I think um, Toy Story 4 probably is a better movie on paper, and I think... Um, it would be very easy for Academy voters to, at the very least, default to it, and that's where I'm at right now. See, I'm being bold right now, and I'm predicting actually there to be a split. Mm. Which I think could definitely happen, but I'm not sure if that does happen, what is the movie that comes up the middle? Yeah, what's number three? I think we're due for another um, Spirited Away type of shocker in this category i really do but spirited away was a huge hit too and i i i I, and listen i think that um this is just something that i've been floating since i saw the film um i think i will probably default to toy story for uh within next week or so but this and i'm not committing to this idea it's just something that i've i've said to myself like toy story could feel like a We've been there. We've done that. We want to do something different. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely a, a consensus that it's not the best of the franchise amongst everyone. Maybe it is the best animated film of this year, sure. But com- compared to what has come before, um, it may not hold up in voters' minds. Then they'll look at Frozen 2. And yes, that'll get some votes from some people for sure. Um, but once again, the consensus is that it's not as good as the first one. So it makes me wonder if people might place their votes elsewhere for something else. I, I agree that that could definitely happen. And I think there is an opportunity for a smart campaign to get in there because neither of those films have – neither of – Toy Story 4 nor Frozen 2 are a, you know, like walking away. That's absolutely the one um, sort of thing. And I, for if I had to pick between them, I would pick Frozen 2. Um, just I mostly too. because, 
I think the animation is just on another level. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't see any of the um, more indie foreign contenders getting enough momentum to come in there and sweep it away. And the other big studio releases, I, I don't think they're doing any campaigning for how to train your dragon three although no 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 there's no no there is there there is yeah it it got an early screener out to voters um there have been some fyc ads for it and to be honest that might not be a bad compromise in terms of we've already rewarded these two franchises here's a franchise that we've never rewarded before and this and this is the last one in this story and that all has been consistently great yeah yeah like i could see how to train your dragon three getting it i like right now, my I am putting my money on Frozen Two for the animation, like because it is again just like out of this world, raising the bar yet again. But now thinking about it, I can see the Toy Story Frozen splitting, and I can see something like How to Train Your Dragon, because again, all of those films have been consistent, and all of those films have raised it from the suppressor. I, I agree with your point about there not really being another option at this moment, unfortunately. Um, and unless something is about to come out or there is a humongous groundswell, it's not like 2016 where, sure, it was defaulting to Zootopia, but there was a lot of people saying, like, but have you seen Kubo? There's not really an option for that this year so far. I mean, like, nobody's really banging the drum for Missing Link or anything. Yeah. The effort is in there, though. They are trying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I just really think that the people behind how to train your dragon three need to push for that even harder because there is an opportunity to get that franchise, the Oscar that it has deserved since the first one. And there's so many angles to play with that. You can yeah. get the last oh, yeah. one. We haven't won yet. You know, look at all the money. Well, these guys and the animation in that is gorgeous too. Yep. All right. Well, that'll do it here for our review of Frozen 2 here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Dan, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. You can find me on Twitter at dance and Dan on film. Lauren LaMagna. You can find me on the Twitter at Lauren Lamango. Cody Derricks. You can find me everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd at CodyMonster91 and give my horror movie podcast a listen. We're called Halloweeners. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Frozen 2 here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback there and also your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us, and it also just helps to support the channel and support the podcast and keep things rolling for hopefully as long as we possibly can. Thank you so much for listening as always and we shall see you all next time. Uh, at like parties and stuff like little kids will take microphones and they'll like try to sing like let it go and things like that or they do like the sing-along and everything Mm -hmm. i just remember telling dan like you know oh god we're gonna have to like listen to like four-year-olds be like shut up yourself like 10 year olds getting notes and they're gonna like i know the poor babies